Oh, High Street Ken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was uh, our Founders Factory office? Yeah, Founders Factory. That's oh, all right, okay. Yeah, yeah, we came there. Oh, why did you come there? Do you remember 30 Degrees? We had oh, yeah, like a little 30 star degrees, 30 Degrees. Remember, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I don't remember you coming in. So you came in to, did you pitch or something to Founders Factory? No, no, we came to like work for you guys. Oh, yeah, but your team was called 30 <laughs> Degrees, right? Yeah, so yeah. there were five of you. Yeah, yeah. There, were there five of us? Yeah, there were. Yeah, there were five. So Hamish is a programmer as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. I didn't know That's that. Shocking, both both comsci. But yeah, how you been? I've been good. I've been good. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Conway. And I'm your other host, Hamish Lackman. And today we're joined by a friend of mine, Ambrose, co-founder of Fanbytes. How you doing, Ambrose? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on the podcast. No, no worries. Actually, a call out as well from Alec Geller. I can't even remember what episode number that was now like in the 20s or something, but quite a while back. But yeah, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. So my name's Ambrose. I am 26 years old. Formerly, I'm known as a I'm business owner of a company called Fanbytes, a company which I started at university when I was 19. So really a good seven years ago now. Fanbytes is basically a Gen Z marketing agency. So we basically help brands to win the hearts of Gen Z through social influencers. And we've now grown that. I think when I met Aaron, Aaron actually works with us as a um, developer. But yeah, Aaron was literally, by the way, you, you, you were one of the best designers like we'd ever seen. Look how gas oh, 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 <laughs> don't, don't me really up. Helped, that really helped the company at the time, especially when we were that small. But since then, we've basically grown the company to, I did a headcount. We we're now 43 people. So Yeah, I saw that in the notes. That's mad. Because yeah, like, yeah, yeah. considering when I was there, it was like, as you said, like six, seven, eight of us. Yes, that's mad, like up to 45 now. Yeah, that's what I do right now. I went to university, I went to Imperial College London. I studied mechanical engineering there. Obviously, I'm not using that degree, but no, it's still very good to do. Grew up in Southeast London, Catford. That's pretty much it about me. Anything else you want to know? <laughs> no, let's, let's uh, dive right in, I guess. I guess Fanbytes, that's, as you mentioned, that's where we first met. So you briefly like mentioned what it's about. Your role there, you're a co-founder and you're yeah. also COO. Yeah, COO, Chief Operating Officer. I guess people, when they think of like a startup or a business, they're mainly thinking of like the CEO, maybe someone on tech, maybe even a designer or something. Yeah. The CEO, I feel like it's a more, it's not necessarily obvious what mm-hmm. you do. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. To be honest, I, the way I like to think about my role is rather than thinking about CEO and COO, mm-hmm. I like to think about it. There's a, there's a book called Rocket Fuel, which talks about two types of people. And it basically talks about a visionary and an integrator. So Tim, my business partner, he is very much a visionary. And I'm very much an integrator, a visionary, someone who's big picture. They're very like, you know, big ideas, whereas an integrator is more detail oriented, structure, process driven. So with him, naturally, he kind of, especially in initial stages, oversaw sales and marketing, right? So actually going out to win clients and bring them on. And my job was how to keep them, but to keep them is very process driven, right? So it's, it's like building the structure for us to run campaigns. It's managing the actual campaigns teams to deliver these advertising campaigns. It's building a HR system, which allows us to employ people at scale. It's working with the product teams to make sure that the actual tech we're building is streamlined, procedurized, and it's also looking at the finances and managing the actual cash flow of the business, right? So yeah, yeah that's how I kind of describe, describe it as a COO or integrator. Making sure everything runs smoothly. Yeah, exactly. Making it, making it run smoothly. What's the hardest part of your role? It changes over time. At one point, I would have said to you, the hardest thing about my role is actually people management. And that's probably when we were like, I don't know, 12 or 15 people. Because realizing that everyone has a different style of like working. So as a manager, I need, I need to be able to adapt, right? For example, 
some people really need words of appraisal, right? So you're saying good job and stuff like that. And that was actually quite quite um, weird for me because I'm complete opposite. I almost think if someone says well done, I feel like they're patronizing me. So I always find that, that difficult. But essentially, people management has been a tricky thing. Yeah. And touching back like more on just fan bites in general, you mentioned it briefly, but what's kind of like for people who have like never heard of fan bites, what's kind of like the elevator pitch? So our tagline is essentially we help brands to win the hearts of Gen Z. Gen Z is an audience. So if, if you don't know, you have millennials are like 18 to 34 year olds. They're quite a broad band. Gen Z is essentially that audience which was born after 1996 and grew up with social media. So the people who, when they were kids, they were literally growing up with Instagram and now TikTok and things like that on their phone. So this audience is an audience which didn't really get sucked into like traditional TV, like us when we were growing up. And the challenge is how can brands who are more traditional actually engage with that audience at scale in an authentic way? Yeah. using social media so we primarily use different social media platforms snapchat instagram tiktok youtube and we don't just do say advertising campaigns we also do basically all sorts of things around gen z so for example we have a talent roster of tiktok influencers and we get them to do cool things like the bite house so the bite house was a thing which we started at the start of lockdown where we got six tiktok influencers into a house and they just created content it's a bit like the hype house, but but yeah. That's wicked. Yeah. But yeah, because I remember uh, when I was there, it was just like primarily Snapchat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The funny thing is, at the time that you joined, I think, because when people say, when did you start Fanmites? We actually say like 2017, which is about around the time you started, because that's when we actually made a big pivot from, we were, we were using YouTube influencers initially, mm-hmm. but then we pivoted away from that and started working with Snapchat influencers. The reason why is because at the start of 2017, that was a very, very hot platform. I don't know if you remember yeah. That was, yeah. that was pre-Instagram stories. So we were the, like the first agency to actually take that seriously. And what that did is that actually allowed us to just accelerate our growth and stand out from the crowd because YouTube was becoming very saturated. So at the time, we, we called ourselves a Snapchat influencer network. But now we're like a full-service Gen Z marketing agency. We can help brands engage with Gen Z across whatever platform that Gen Z is on. As I say, Gen Z can move from... I mean, we were hearing about the ban on TikTok, if that was going to happen. They can move from TikTok into Triller or to Reels. It really, you know, doesn't matter where they go. Yeah. Is Snapchat still getting, like, good engagement? Yeah. You know what? Snapchat is actually very popular amongst Gen Z, just young people, um, especially in America. Snapchat generally gets better engagements than Instagram by far because okay. on Snapchat, firstly, it's just less saturated. But secondly, there's only one course action, which is stories, swipe up. If you've got Instagram, there's like a million course actions. There's reels, there's like posts and like, you can scroll and read comments. Snapchat, you watch a video and you swipe up and that's it. And that's kind of why it stands out. Yeah, that makes sense. Rewinding it back a bit. So you said a lot of the times you say 2017 is the date you tell people you first died fan bites, but really it was before that. When was the actual start? When was the birth of fan bites? And how did that like come about? Well, I met Tim. So Tim, my co-founder. Um, I met him in 2013 on the 17th of September. You know the exact day and everything. <laughs> I, I was, every year I'm like, it's our anniversary. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have that for Hamish. I should really have that. <laughs> I, I think I have a rough idea of when we actually met. Oh, I have no idea. So actually, I met him about a month before that in um, a leadership conference. And I was literally sitting next to him. This is a joke I tell, but I tell it every time. So I might not tell it now, basically. I, th- I think I heard this on the uh, <laughs> other podcast you're on. The guy speaking... Um, was a guy who he's like 
a guy called Ken and Lisa. Don't know if you've heard of him, but pretty, really cool guy. Really cool guy. Um, he literally said, take a good look to your left and a good look to your right because you could be sitting as your future business partner right now. And I looked over to my left and Tim was sitting there. I was honestly thinking there's no way in hell I'm working with him. But, you know, <laughs> um, over time we became best of friends. So. So is this story like real or is oh, it it's completely real, made yeah. up? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that happened. And then one month later, after the program, he messaged me and said, do you want to, let's, let's meet up, basically. The first time he said, let's meet up, he um, was late and then we cancelled it. <laughs> the second time we met up, right. he basically showed me this thing he was working on. It was called Banzi at the time. It wasn't even called Fanbytes. And the idea was we we're going to connect musicians with their fans, help musicians to engage their fans better. Right? Mm-hmm. so it wasn't advertising or anything like that at all and we were doing that for a while and we actually raised initial funding from that and then we pivoted as soon as we raised the funding because we thought this is a bad idea and what we realized actually was when we were working with the fans so when we were working with the, the musicians it wasn't actually the fans that was making much money what was making money was we randomly got these brands to sponsor the videos that they made so we do something like say win a day jet skiing with this musician and eventually we started working with youtubers so we say win a day jet skiing with this youtuber mm-hmm. and in order to enter you basically buy merchandise of the youtuber or the artist and that would raise money and then we'd use that much part of the money to pay for the experience and then we take a cut but then what we found is when we made these videos there was one thing we did which was they said go ape go go ape with your favorite youtuber and go ape paid us money like they were sponsoring the video because obviously we were making content on a youtuber's channel and we were like hold on a second the, the real person who's paying us a lot of money here is the brand. It's not the fans of the artist. So from there, we said, all right, cool. Let's focus more on helping brands to engage with the fans rather than helping the artists monetize their fans, all right? Does that kind of make sense? Yep. So from there, we basically went down the influencer marketing mode. And 2014, I'd say that's when we really, that's when we incorporated the business anyway. We really made a push on influence marketing. Influence marketing was very new in that year. And yeah, basically broke that train for like two or three years. I was at uni at this time. So I was in second year of uni. Then by the end of uni, that's when we made the pivot to Snapchat and broadened out to a more general Gen Z marketing agency. Yeah. What was it like kind of starting a business with someone you didn't really know? I can't imagine doing that. Yeah. Thing is, like we clicked quite quickly Hmm. because we're both had a lot of similar interests. We also both gone in, both had same passion for certain things, right? Like we were both interested in football. We're both interested in music. Also, it was so lucky, look in hindsight, it was so lucky, our complementary personality, that visionary inspiration thing I was telling you about. When you read the book, right? Normally you read the book and you think, oh shit, I've got to change all this now because I'm with the wrong person. But we read it and thinking, wow, he perfectly fits this type of co-founder. And I perfectly fit this other co-founder. And these two personalities are meant to come together to make a business. So it's very lucky. I guess it is just all about like right place, right time kind of thing. Mm. In that instance, just you two being there and... As the story goes, sitting next to each other as well. Yeah, exactly. But also, Tim very Tim's very entrepreneurial. He actually started. He like done two businesses and sold one. Yeah. Like by the time I met him, when when he was like eighteen or something, so kind of crazy. Yeah, same with Mitch as well, right? Oh yeah, Mitch also. Mitch, bloody hell, he sold a business that he was running on his own, a little tech thing basically, for six figures at nineteen. Yeah, that's mad. Right. There you go. And then getting into that industry as a whole, I remember like. Tim always used to say you got like a first in your dissertation for like, I forgot what the topic was exactly, but it was around, it was in this industry, right? It was called measuring social influence using machine learning. Yeah. I'm guessing that came after you guys started this. Yeah. So that was like, whilst I was running the business, I was like, I said to my supervisor, 
how could I possibly link my business to my degree and my dissertation? Because it would be quite cool if I could do that. So we sat down and he said, actually, we had a programming course. It was MATLAB, so hardly programming, but the numerical programming platform, MATLAB. And I used it. I basically went on Coursera and I studied the Stanford machine learning course. I just applied some of the algorithms to different cases and create something called the fan by score. And yeah, that was pretty, that was fun. And it was also useful. So yeah. Did you ever consider like dropping out of uni? Tim, when I met him after the first year, he said to me, you do realize you're going to have to drop out of uni, right? I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I'm a good boy. I finished my degree. I finished the four years, but I was considering, because my course is a four-year course, MechEng, when you get a master's, I was considering changing that to the bachelor's and just doing three years. Right. Yeah. But in the end, I just like stuck it out. I thought I can do this. I'm doing it on the side anyway. My business is so it's working out. Yeah. So what were you like planning? What was kind of your plans before Fanbytes? Did you have a, kind of like a dream job or? I was a confused boy because, you know, I was drawn to the whole like banking world. I interned at Goldman Sachs where I did a spring internship in 2014. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't, wasn't for me. I, I was literally falling asleep. Yeah. Early, like, <laughs> yeah, I was literally got told to wake up once. And then what I did find really interesting though was consultancy. So I was, in, I was um, interviewing for consultancy places. I got a summer internship. They were going to pay good money that summer, right? Yeah. yeah. I said, no, instead of doing that, I'm going to focus on my business and only pay myself yeah. 300 pounds a month this summer. So that's what I did. And decided to stop applying for jobs and internships by my final year and just went all in with the business. Oh, awesome. And it's like, it was paid off. Oh yeah. So absolutely. anything you regret or anything like you would do differently if you were starting it now? Probably. To be honest, there are, there are, there are stuff. Yeah. Um, I think one thing would be we raised, when we raised money, when we were starting out, we honestly thought we were hitting a jackpot with some of the sums we were raising but we didn't realize how small we were thinking. <laughs> so I think one thing is we would have raised more money earlier in one go, rather than, we did like five rounds or something, mm-hmm. but you may as well just do like two big rounds and then you're, you're fine, right? To be honest, I am one of those guys who also, always says that like everything happened for a reason. So I don't, I wouldn't really change things because I would got something out of it. You know, it's maybe the person I am today, blah, 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 all that stuff. So I don't know if I'm one of those guys. Are you Hamish? I think to quite quite a large extent yeah but i don't i don't obviously vocalize it or like I, you know i don't like go around saying it or whatever yeah because um like one of the usual examples i've used in the past is for me to be where i am today given where i'm from doesn't make sense unless it was meant to be in this particular way mm. yeah i don't know i think i sometimes like think that i kind of just think that when i want to think that and it feel like makes me feel yeah better. Like, it, in like, a way yeah, it probably is kind of reason. backward rationalizing right it's like it's like yeah. no matter where you are you're gonna, you're gonna think that but you know, you could have jumped to miss out a lot of things and it would be even better. No. Yeah. Another question more quite relevant these times, COVID, how, how's that affected like the day-to-day running of things? Oof. So this year has been one of our best years. I mean, it's been our best year. I mean, every year is our best, but what I mean is this year we've exceeded our expectations and I think it surely it must be, we must've benefited from lockdown. Perhaps more people are spending time on social media and it's more relevant mm-hmm. to, I think a lot of brands are moving budgets from offline to ads, all that stuff, and re-putting it, events as well, moving things away from events and putting it onto online advertising. At the same time, when it came to March or April, there were so many of our clients who were like, cool, we're going to pause all our spend. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was also, that was scary. We, you know, we, we did our whole like, 
did you guys panic at like that point? So what we did is we said, all right, guys, let's create a list of all the people that we're going to furlough if we need to. Okay. So we made the list right. and we put it in like priority order, but we never had to furlough anyone. In fact, we've been hiring loads of people. Awesome, awesome. So we prepared for it and we were obviously anticipating the worst. Investors, all our investors were saying, guys, there's going to be a recession. Let's you know, think about things. But I think we just come out really strong. And I think, I do think, I, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging or anything, but I do think that it, was, it wasn't just because of the space for it, because a lot of other companies have struggled in our space. Mm. A lot of our competitors, a lot of big advertising agencies have had to shut down. But I think the reason why we've done quite well, because we are kind of like thinking on our feet. We are thinking, what are some ways in which we can do something innovative here? Right. So the bite house, for example, yeah. that we actually made that because of lockdown, let's do this. That was a good timing. Moving quickly on TikTok. We started on TikTok, start 2019, when no one else was talking about it. So I think we've done things to put ourselves in positions, which is quite competitively like advanced. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And what are kind of, I don't know if you can even like say, but what are, what's kind of in the future? What are the future plans for fanboys? Yeah. So one thing we obviously have been have done is gone remote. Yeah. Is that something you think you'd like continue even when like restrictions are lifted? It's hard to say, you know. I kind of feel like I don't know what's gonna happen. I kind of feel like it's gonna be almost a new norm for companies to do like part time remote, yeah. part time in the office. I can't really see in the next few years at least companies going, All right, cool, let's go straight back into the office full time as nothing's happened. So I think yeah. the thing is we there there definitely is a nice element of having people in the office and collaborating. Yeah. We did a lot of filming when influencers came in and we ran a lot of events in our offices. So that you do miss out on that. And a lot and some of our staff do really want to get back in the office. So we do want to make give the option for for um us to have an office, have a roof where people can meet. Yeah. But maybe it'll be a bit different based on the new normal, I guess. Yeah. Cause I assume as a business owner, there is the element where like it's just nicer to be around everyone and Yeah maybe it's more productive but then from a financial point of view yeah i guess you probably are saving a lot of money yeah for sure we got lucky as well because we were about to sign the lease because we're, mm. we're getting a bigger office we're gonna sign the lease our lease ended in eight, end of april and we're about to sign one and then we didn't because of coronavirus so yeah we've been, been rent free a lot of a lot of other companies have had like a, a two-year contract that they're stuck in basically well that actually worked out all the time. i was going to ask about that like you continued pay rent for the office but yeah that's nice i guess yeah. I guess <laughs> just touching on what you said earlier, everything's meant to happen for a reason. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. I had a question. Oh, what was it? We'll come back to you. If it was important, I'll come back to you. I've been hearing that a lot recently. I don't know who's, where I've been hearing it from. But keep <laughs> I just, in my, when, I was, when I was studying for my exams, if I was um, in example taking a test, if I forget, I'll always say to myself, it'll come back to me by the end of the exam. And by saying that, by the end of the exam, it comes back to you. And you go back to it and you, you answer the question. So. I don't, I don't remember doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the podcast, I guess it's a bit different, more difficult because I don't want to ask you yeah. like halfway, like when we're on another yeah, topic, true. it'd be like, oh yeah, by the way, and I'm I can't be asked editing it in, in the right <laughs> yeah. place. Yeah. Um, do you think you could ever work, or maybe you have done work with podcasts? That's been, that has been a thought. Like, no, no, not necessarily no, 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 asked. Like, I, like, I rate that. <laughs> you, you, no, that has been a thought. Yeah. yeah. So in your in your mind, how do you think that would work? Well, the same way like influencers on Instagram or Snapchat mm-hmm. would be making like stories promoting some brand or a yeah. product produced by the brand. I know like the main source of revenue for podcasters is 
sponsorships. Yeah. So basically just getting them to shout yeah. out like brands. Hey, we're products. all like Gen Z, right? So if we found podcasts which were specifically Gen Z focused, then it would make sense. Yeah. The only thing is it is a very different ad format, I guess. To- yeah, yeah, that is the thing. But then you've got a lot of, we're not in this position, but you have a lot of influencers from Instagram and YouTube and Snapchat that are starting podcasts. That's true. Um, so they would have, I guess, that audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Also, like, yeah, because with a podcast, you can actually run it as pre-roll, mid-rolls, and at the end as well. Like, feel like podcasts are in a unique position where they can also play longer ads. Because on Instagram, for example, is it 15 seconds? I think you just have 15 seconds. Or if you make a post about it or whatever. That's the only example I know off the top of my head. So, like, I know they're all, like, those kind of different things because whereas we could run a, like a maximum of 30 seconds of a pre-roll i kind of feel like with podcasts it's better when you have like an actual ambassadorship right you know like mm-hmm. a lot of podcast owners are ambassadors of audible and they have like they mention it every single time there's a platform you should check out actually uh it's called podcorn oh i've heard of it basically that does what i just said right. kind of connects like brands and podcasters yeah i've heard of that but yeah in, in our notes actually you wrote something there about like starting your own business and will it make you happy Mm, yeah so are you insinuating that it has made you happy or it hasn't or <laughs> like you know i wrote that because i thought i thought it'd be a very interesting thing to to share because i feel, feel like just like anything which seems out of the box i feel like um starting your own business becoming an influencer yeah th- people think oh i really want to do this thing because it's going to radically change my life and make me the happiest person ever right and yeah i kind of wanted to i just thought it would be good to talk about what my answer be basically i would say that Running a business of your own, for me anyway, it has been very fulfilling. But I've challenged the assumption that it would make you happy and it's for everyone. Because I do feel like, it's just like with everything, if you place a lot of emphasis on this thing, and you put your whole identity on like your business or like being famous, anything like that, then you may be setting yourself up for disappointment because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. So it can definitely make you fulfilled, but it's going to be a lot of hard work. And you've got to be in it for the long run. Like you've got to be thinking, I'm going to do this for the next five to 10 years. Yeah, I I think that's something that probably trips up a lot of people. Like when they think they can just start their own business. And if it's maybe not going well at the beginning, they're probably like, yeah, no, this is shit. Then sack it off kind of thing. Yeah. Because a lot of people, when, when people, when I say, look, we started in 2013, that's the truth because most people when you see in headlines people running these businesses and after four years they spun it to like xyz they probably had a similar thing where you know they started in 2017 but really they started in 2013 that kind of makes sense those first like three or four years you're really just figuring figuring things out making mistakes and growing quite slowly then eventually you reach some point where you actually start to figure things out you have to also care about it to a certain extent to really like want to do it as in in terms of like the idea at least or the ideas around it Otherwise, like, it's going to be very hard to motivate yourself to do anything around it. Absolutely. And it will just be a shit show. That's yeah. at least my stance on it. Yeah, do something you enjoy and also do something which plays to your strengths. So I wouldn't do, like, I wouldn't create, like, a beauty business because I'm not really, you know, in that. But yeah. so I, Gen Z, I, I started this when I was 19, right? So I've, I've understood that audience very well. A lot of, I think, Aaron, when you joined, didn't we always say, like, the average age of the team was 21 or something? Yeah, yeah. And it's still very young. The team's a very young team. So we hire people who are living and breathing the culture that we're trying to push. Yeah. We had a makeup touch as well. Yeah. Beauty, a little yeah. beauty side, side hustle. Yeah. Time. And, and even there, we had to get... So Lily was one of your guests as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. So 
we when we grew makeup tips at that time it was three black men trying to run a business and then doing um, a makeup channel so we had to hire lily said look lily we need you to be the person to to grow uh, this makeup channel because it couldn't be us <laughs> bit bit of a uh, tangent and kind of going into our uh, debate question a bit oh okay another platform out there only fans <laughs> Aaron, how much you pay for OnlyFans? <laughs> uh, I get that shit for free. Uh, no. <laughs> um, can that even like be used in like the kind of space, same space as you guys? Um, I don't know. Actually, good question. I think for now it will be for individuals to monetize their fans. Yeah, but but there's nothing stopping people on OnlyFans giving like a shout out to like a brand, right? That's true. I don't know if it's the right platform though because the audience is going to be like. It'll be like 100 people who are maybe very interested in a certain thing. I mean, it depends what you promote, right? It does depend on what you promote. But it'll be like 100 people, they're loyal fans. It wouldn't be like loads. It wouldn't get like the reach you get on social media. Yeah. Well, you posed the question that should OnlyFans be banned? Yeah. To be honest, I, I don't think it should be banned. Because, you know, firstly, we're, pro- we're making the assumption that OnlyFans is a bad platform by saying it should be banned, right? Because of yeah. some of the content that's on there, not all the content, but some of the content. But the reason I don't think it should be banned is more so because what does that say about like social rights and stuff like that? Every any platform is neither good nor bad, it's more how you use it. So I don't think the way it's going is a good thing. I think um if anyone's paying attention, then you probably may also think the way OnlyFans is going, being very sexualized and all that stuff. I don't think mm-hmm. it's a good thing, but I wouldn't jump to the conclusion to say it should be banned necessarily. Maybe some more restrictions in place and stuff. What basically is OnlyFans? It's a platform where people can pay to see content from other people. Yeah. So the thing is, right, with OnlyFans, in a way, you can always say, how is it any different from Patreon? Patreon is like a platform which YouTube yeah. uses exclusive content to fans. And I think it's purely the marketing angle that they've gone in with it. Because with um, Patreon, it's very, it's a, it almost seems like a professional platform. But with OnlyFans, the way it's been marketed by the company basically is almost like this underground channel where you can get exclusive content and influencers are when they promote it they're putting like thumbnails of quite sexual content up. yeah and you know the big narrative the big scare basically is that people are using it to earn money from their fans by using more sexual content that sort of thing so that's where it's getting a bit iffy the thing is then what's the difference between that and Pornhub then? Uh, well, uh, well, you don't have the difference. Is this? It's the way it's perceived because Pornhub is porn, right? OnlyFans is like, oh, it's only OnlyFans. It's only where I'm putting um, some content for my fans and it's exclusive, and they're willing to pay me for it. And also, OnlyFans is it's a platform which basically anyone can kind of use very easily. Set up an account, tell their followers to go check it out, sort of thing. Or if you tell them to go on Pornhub, I think that's a bit different. <laughs> also, by the way. Not all the content on OnlyFans is like sexual. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I did. I wasn't aware. Of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was but that's that's definitely like how I if I would have assumed it was all sexual. I think the general perception from people now is that OnlyFans is actually just a place where all the content is just sexual content. Yeah. But yeah, I I, I wouldn't say it should be banned. Like I'm kind of in the mindset that they can just do what they want. Like if they want to upload that kind of content, it's up to them, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, like, what's wrong with them doing it? Like, is there, like, obviously, you mentioned the point of, like, they're just sexualized. They're, like, I guess, trying to, I don't know if it's even praying, because the people who are paying for it, they're kind of, 
they have the money to do it. Like, well, to stop them to paying and asking for from influencers what they would be willing to share if they got paid for it. I think the problem with it is what the effect is going to have on society, right? At scale. Because really, if we're being honest here, the main super influencer on OnlyFans is going to be young females, right? So if young females are basically earning loads of money by putting sexual content on OnlyFans and they're doing that and justifying it as like, you know, passive income to help their studies or something like that, then you're going to have this weird shift in dynamics on the younger generation. It's going to be a bit, a bit like how the impact that the porn industry has had on men. And then also another analogy is the impact that social media is having on young people right now, mental health wise. So th- those are the, the main issues. Yeah, the amount, some of the figures I've heard of people earn, like yeah. the amount of money some people are earning from OnlyFans is mad. <laughs> and I guess if like, yeah, if younger kids hear about that and they're like, they're in need career option, of like though. money. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So I guess to add on to Ambrose's point, like if I guess young females are using their body in a sexualized way to earn money is the better option than following whatever a normalized career path is, like whether it's a STEM subject arts or whatever, like then I guess that could create other problems as well. Like it could further continue to have the bias and equality in jobs. So maybe like it won't help resolve the equality there because they may choose to like migrate towards platforms such as OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sure. I, I, I do see I do see your point now more. We've also discussed OnlyFans in on this uh, podcast, Ambrose. We talk about our future kids a lot. Right. One thing we've like debated is what if your kid hmm. had an OnlyFans account? the influencer side of it yeah 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 so like i mean let's see what the platform's like then but if we're talking right now if i had kids and they were on only fans and they wouldn't be allowed basically personally hamish what are you saying okay if they're if they're making that well, if they're after, earning bags after the age of 21 first of all there do we need the bags at home I'm, I'm hoping i would have made us good enough so that we, they wouldn't need to be in a position where they're thinking oh i need to make bags yeah just to to make it out or something like I, I don't I don't want them to be in that position I'd rather them just try to follow something that makes them happy but then if you use the argument if only fans make them happy or something I don't I, I wouldn't really know how to react I'd have to, I'd have to ask my partner at that point and I'd be like look yeah I, I don't know what to do here like this is uh yeah it, it wouldn't happen in my household yeah I would try to avoid this scenario because I like the idea of being offline despite having a podcast but aren't you then kind of saying it's a bad platform by saying you're not allowing it I am saying it's a bad platform yeah oh you are okay yeah. But I'm saying it doesn't need to be banned because yeah. that's a bigger implication on social rights and all that stuff. But yeah. it's, uh, it's it's not a good platform, in my opinion. Wait, Aaron, what would you do? Like, you asked us the question, what would you do in this case? Yeah, I have no idea. And depending on the choice. age as well of your kid, like, say, like, they were 18 and they have OnlyFans. Like, it, it, I, would, I would ideally want, want, not want them involved in that kind of stuff. So, like, if they choose to do it afterwards and, like, the partner and everything is fine with it. Then I guess after twenty one, like you know, you're you're a proper adult, so you can make some of these choices. But before twenty one, it's just like I don't want to take away the rights from the kid as well. Like you know, like when they're growing in between eighteen to twenty one, I still want them to be like experience the world as a young adult. But I don't want them to be. I really hope that they they don't resort to that to make money, like just because. I mean, for me, like I don't want to take away their their rights and choice and free will, and I want them to make their own mistakes for sure. But for me, it's more so. I think I would be. A bad father if I wasn't guiding them hmm. to do better, right? So I'll be guiding them away from it out of love, not out of like, just like fear. Let's say. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, 
I think I think I'm in agreement to be honest. Yeah. Wait, wait. Okay, I actually, I actually have another question on this now. If your partner had an OnlyFans, let, let's take the first scenario where, like, they already had one before you met, and then we'll go to the scenario where they had they decided to get one after you meet, or they wanted to get one. What is your thoughts on this? Because I, I I've seen this question about, but I'm not sure how I'd react really. The younger me, right? If you knew me like two or three years ago, I'd be more open to it. I'd be like, yeah, whatever. You no, know, let's you know, explore it. But just me at the stage of my, of my life now, my mindset now. I don't think I would go for someone who was like in that mindset. If they were thinking, "Oh, let me monetize my nudes on OnlyFans," I just did. Yeah, she would probably wouldn't be my girlfriend. Like, imagine like you found out after as well. Like you've been say you've been dating for a year or like you know, and then she made a bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Not necessarily. Like, you yeah. know, it depends. There's context, everything, right? So maybe I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, I understand. I'm like trying to figure it. Maybe it's something they were doing. And they. I don't know. It depends on the reasons, right? But, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it as well, like, is the OnlyFans just them, like, how, like, sexual is it? Because you can have, like, in, an Instagram model yeah. who just, like, poses, like, half naked all the time. Yeah. What's the difference between that and someone on OnlyFans doing pretty much the same thing, but it's a video and they're just getting and earning money from it? Do you know? Good point. Good question. And, like, I'm pretty sure we'd be fine with, like, dating a model from Instagram or something. <laughs> so if they put the same content on OnlyFans and they monetize it, then what's the harm? Yeah. It's a good question. I think you know what? What rubs me the wrong way actually is this whole monetizing it. Then I'm monetizing sexual content. Like someone else, yeah, sorry. So I'm I'm actually I'm out, bro. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. no, it's a no from me. Yeah, that's fair. One of my things on it is like I, I like the idea of just being private like as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So like I don't only know. Fans is, only fans is private. No, but do you know I, I mean when I mean private, I mean like no one else needs to like know your shit at all, you know? Unless like it's your close friends, like I mean, we have got a podcast, you know. Yeah, I mean, I said, as I said, excluding that yeah. point, you know, but as I said, when I, when we made this, I made a mistake of not starting with a mask on. Should have just wore a ballet yeah, well. <laughs> um, But yeah, I'll, I'll stick with it, obviously. But yeah, like, I just like the idea of just being as offline and private as possible. As I said, excluding this podcast. But yeah, that's that's just kind of a lot of my stance on it. But yeah, like, I don't know how I'd react if like they asked me like, or they were already doing it and we're like a month in or something. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I, th- I think I'd like if they were, I know they were considerate about it. Like, if you want me to stop, I'll stop. Like, I can understand if you ma- this makes you feel uncomfortable or something. Yeah. i say tomorrow you wanted be to nice. do OnlyFans. <laughs> would you think your well, partner if I would I wanted okay? to do it. Yeah, like, say like you, when you just became the best male model or whatever it was and nudes and everything on OnlyFans, would you do it? Like work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, mean, I, I mean, first of all, I, don't, I can't imagine me ever doing that. But no, I'd be like, if my partner didn't want me to do that, I think that's perfectly valid and I'll be like, okay, I won't do that. I would like to think anyway. You both said something interesting. Hamish, you said you basically, you like to stay offline a lot. You generally like keeping things private. Aaron, you said that you really care about your future kids generation, right? I do too. You know, I think it's very important. So both these things point to, so I think a very popular thing people have been seeing is on Netflix, this, this um, show called The Social Dilemma. And this idea that social media and being connected in general, the way we are right now, is having a negative effect on mental health. It's also got privacy issues, blah, blah, blah. And this is something which I've actually, I feel quite passionate about, this idea of digital minimalism. There's actually a book called Digital Minimalism, which I read a couple of years ago by a guy called Cal Newport, amazing author, love him. And for me, I guess it's been quite, it's quite interesting because I run a social media advertising platform. One, mm-hmm. I'm running a company which is pumping content out on social media and relies on that. 
And secondly, I like we create ads, right? Ads are meant to be annoying. We ideally make them engaging and fun, right? So, but either way, um, what do you guys think about? Have you guys seen this? No, I've been told to watch it. But I haven't watched it yet. You should watch. Well, you, you don't need to because you're already offline. Aren't you? I wouldn't say I'm <laughs> offline, but like I, I try to not like be any more online than I have to be. Right. Okay. Yeah. But how do you, like how do you guys currently navigate being on social media and like taking into account mental health and all that stuff? To be honest, I think I'm very oblivious to a lot of that stuff. I kind of just use social media. I use it a lot, but I don't really. So like Twitter, I use basically like all the time. Just I'm always kind of. Twitter's kind of my news feed. Yeah. If anything, like if I want to check the news, I look at my Twitter feed. Um, Instagram, a lot of it now is because of the podcast, sharing like new episodes and posting content like to promote the podcast. And then Facebook really just used for like chat, like chatting to other people. But like on the mental health side of things, I don't really, I can see how it can affect people, but I've never been affected by social media to be honest. Do you mean like in terms of us also commenting on things or anything like that? Or do you mean just our mental health in terms I of think I think all sorts. So everything from spending too much time on their phones, then also the contract of cyberbullying, things like misinformation, lots of different implications behind this new wave of people growing up with social media like the forefront. There was a, by the way, there was um my friend friend had someone, she knew someone who um a three-year-old or something or five-year-old they're giving them a book yeah mm-hmm. a physical book and the baby was trying to swipe the book <laughs> yeah yeah I'd, I'd be i'd be like oh shit if my kid did that i'll be like oh fuck i fucked it it's that nine <laughs> i mean it's, it's, it's all they knew right they knew their ipad i guess social media how do i use it i basically i literally i didn't have instagram till we basically had the podcast nearly ready to go. But basically, I would use just, I guess, Facebook and Twitter just for like cats and dogs photos, basically. And then Instagram is basically the same thing. And a lot of my news actually comes through other people, unless I'm looking through like, you know, for example, a news website like BBC News, Sky News. So like, in terms of, for me, I basically just use it to, I guess, distract myself sometimes. Okay. I think I just don't look into it too deeply. So like, if I've spent a lot of time on social media, like for the day or something, I'm just like, Oh great! I've just wasted a day. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it doesn't seem like either of you have a real problem with like whole mental health stuff, but I do think it is quite an issue amongst the younger generation. And actually, one of the things which stands out to me the most from social dilemma, etc., is basically the idea that these companies, these big companies like Facebook, Google, they're literally designed to keep your attention. The so more of your attention that you they have, the more money they earn. So, for example, they have all these different widgets and stuff which are designed to literally manipulate your emotions and keep you on a platform, right? The, the red notification saying how many likes you have. And I think it gives a big responsibility for people, just general consumers, which maybe is a bit unfair. Like saying you've got to monitor things yourself and know your mental health. But I think there's a better way. Because as we said at the start, all platforms are not neither good nor bad it's more how you use them right right and in my opinion if we can redesign these platforms i think they're making efforts like instagram they've started having like the they've taken away likes for example you know that's a weird one they've taken away likes for me and i've not had likes for about a year right oh really i still got likes yeah everyone else is like i've still got likes i've literally not got i don't know why they targeted me (laughs) taking away the likes does that affect brands any engagement stuff it would if mm-hmm. they roll that out to everyone, but they haven't. It's been like a year. Okay. 
pretty much they haven't pulled out everyone. I also know Twitter recently have been trying out a new feature where if you like share a link or retweet a tweet which has like a link to a I don't know a Daily Mail article or something, mm-hmm. it'll be like, Are you sure you want to reshare this? Please be sure that the information is correct. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. That's yeah. quite cool. It's quite new. I think it's very like in an experimental phase. It, it happened because of the COVID thing when people kept spreading all that fake bullshit. So I guess there are some brands that are, or some social media platforms out there that are trying to help in some way. So here's my idea, by the way. I want to see what you think. So essentially, all these platforms right now, yeah, I want to see if you guys think people would actually subscribe to this. So these platforms are designed to keep your attention. So examples of that are when you're watching a YouTube video, once you finished it, it will give you five seconds before the next video will play. Netflix will tell you, do you want to watch the next episode when it comes to the end? of that one yeah instagram will have all these different things like the never-ending feed which are designed to keep you on there scrolling and scrolling the likes the comments all that stuff so it gets addictive so my idea is what do you think about having a platform where it like just imagine it was like a really clever algorithm which could optimize your happiness and your mental health like find the perfect bell curve by saying i'm going to schedule you in to watch 42 minutes of netflix today when it gets to that point, I'm going to tell you to go off of it. And by the way, this is not only going to maximize, optimize your mental health, it's going to optimize your happiness. Believe me, you're going to be happier watching it for 42 minutes rather than 47 minutes and even happier than 30 minutes. Yeah. If you knew that was like, that would work, right? Would you pay money for it? Pay money for it? For a yeah. Thing. <laughs> because remember, 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 this is helping the, the platforms to make money like keeping you happy as well because they're currently incentivized to make money by just keeping your attention so they'll do they go to the ends for that but if if they get money because you're paying them for this optimized thing they don't they don't need to manipulate you for your attention right honestly i think that's actually a good shot because then they can give you notifications at a more appropriate time yeah i think in that sense it's okay but as me as an individual user i wouldn't like although like i'm willing to let obviously a lot of like technology still control my life today I would don't know if I would be happy to just kind of abide by something the technology is telling me explicitly. Because I have, I would like to, you know, be, yeah, basically, if I wanted to cut it out, how would I cut it? How would you cut it out afterwards? Say you got hooked on it. After a month, you're like, oh shit, this is my way of life now. Say you lost it for like a month. Some reason, let's just say you're on an island with like nothing. Yeah, like you're on a holiday resort. How would you, what would you do then? Like, wouldn't it be hard to kind of like have your break because you're now reliant on this to tell you when your happiness should be scheduled into your life <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, I hear you yeah i mean this is assuming that it is part of your life already so if you're already watching it for an hour and for two hours a day then maybe it's saying let's cut this down to 42 minutes that's a perfect point to keep you happy and then okay. you notice that over, over time but i think the wider thing is people like if we can retrain people to understand the use of these platforms then they can use it for that. So this book, I'm going to show you guys because you can see me on camera. Digital Minimalism. It's actually the only, like, it's called Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport, basically. People wanna... That looks so Apple. Wait, yeah. I saw an advert for this logo thing on the front earlier today. I'm pretty oh, sure. Probably, yeah, probably. Yeah. This book came out last February 2019. This is honestly, because I've read different books about this topic, and this book came out last year. This is the first book that I read, which I think actually gives, like, really solid frameworks for how to solve this social dilemma optimizing how you use social media and the crux of it well there's different things it says but a lot of what it basically says is think of these things as a tool right think of your phone as a tool think of a social media as a tool it's a tool to stay connected to people 
There's also a tool for entertainment. You know, see the cats and dogs. Yeah. Entertainment from from these social platforms. Now, if you think of it as a tool, then you can use it as a tool, right? So maybe it's saying that, well, what do you use a phone for? One thing is for you, maybe it's you don't really care about entertainment style. You just care about like the functionality of connect, speaking to friends. Yeah. So you might say, all right, I'm going to delete all the apps other than like WhatsApp, and I'm going to only use it three times a day in the morning at lunchtime and in the evening and instead i'm going to replace those other times when i find myself randomly scrolling through social media with high leisure the high quality leisure so high quality leisure is replacing the empty entertainment of social media with like a hobby maybe it's like for me it'll be like you know playing chess or salsa you know, one of those things <laughs> so you get the idea of what i'm saying yeah, I, I do understand. But now I actually found one thing that supports your point kind of a bit more because at uni in fourth year, I realized that when you're revising, it's too easy to get distracted. And since it meant so much, because it was like, a se- as I said, it was like a separate masters. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did was I got an app. I think most of us got it. It was called like either Hold or Clear Lock. What it would do, yeah, I would say it. So a total of these apps in the, like a given day from like 6 a.m. to like, you know, 10 p.m. or something, you mm-hmm. can only use for like 20 minutes. Right. Yeah. And so that obviously that included like WhatsApp and stuff. Eventually, I took WhatsApp off in case like I needed to actually speak to like family or something. Mm-hmm. But like Facebook, everything was on this. And then so the moment I press it, I basically can't access anything that I yeah. shouldn't be accessing. And I was doing that. Then in fourth year, there was the app called Hold, which had like this incentive: every twenty minutes you leave it running, it gives you some points or something. All right. So I have let it control my life in that sense because there was you know like good behind it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, right now, when you see my um, my phone, if I um, go onto WhatsApp, then it comes up with this time limit. So this is the thing which Apple kind of, so I have to click ignore limit and then remind me in 15 minutes or give me one more minute and then I can access it for another minute or so. So for me, it's, it's just a um, reminder. I don't want to lose access. I wanna but you can myself. like override it. Exactly. So I'm like, oh, okay. I put that wall there for a reason. Let me think about why I'm going in the app and use it consciously rather than mm. randomly find myself watching cat videos. I think, yeah, I, I think I'd be more of a fan of that than a platform where I'd be like, okay, I definitely can't use it now. Yeah. Because I'm thinking of, I don't know, I'm a massive TV binger, yeah. If, if, if I was using something and it told me after one episode I couldn't watch the next one, <laughs> I'd be fuming. But remember, 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 Aaron, it's optimizing your happiness. So sure, you're fuming, but actually, you're fuming, but you're happier. <laughs> scientifically, <laughs> scientifically proven. But the idea is, how can you incentivize these big companies to do something which is taking into account people's well-being and mental And and I think, how can you do this without putting in rules? You know, you don't want it to be like it's illegal for a company to use this sort of manipulation. Te- oh, manipulation is a harsh word, but you use this sort of. For example, imagine they said from now on it's illegal for under 18s to go on, on social media. That would be a bit annoying, wouldn't it? Or if they said something like it's illegal for companies to build an algorithm which uses like red notifications because, you know, that would be annoying. So yeah. how can you incentivize these companies to not do that, not do those things because they've also incentivized people's mental health into account? I think if you can do that, if you can figure out how to do that, then that's pretty good. Yeah, like for me, getting the end user, the actual customer, to pay money for their mental health will be like a good win-win because they're paying something which is good for them and also the companies benefit by getting money. They don't need to resort to these other tactics. Like, sorry, I'm rambling here, but... No, no worries. 
biggest the biggest um source of revenue for social social media platforms is advertising right and we all know ads are annoying so you know at farm we try and make them fun and engaging right but they're incentivized to create annoying things see my point mm. could they add that as more of an option do you think that would work like if they had the free version which basically continued as it was and then they offered like a subscription mode yeah where you yeah. pay and then wait just to clarify up. the customer doesn't pay right or is now in this case the customer paying no so what Aaron's basically suggesting is like youtube premium where there's no ads yeah okay. but essentially but then it also adds in the lock-in like kicks you off if you run it too much <laughs> and that comes up. yeah i mean you could but i i i as you're saying i think it's wishful thinking from me i don't think people would actually like subscribe to that yeah it's just recommender systems it's quite a nice topic the thing is yeah so now the issue about making like the customers pay mm. or, like a subscription for it is that it only leaves it accessible to, to those who can afford it or like who have the luxury to be able to pay for it yeah did you hear that by the way my Alexa. yeah yeah Still, Aaron's one does it often as well yeah yeah my my thing goes off all the time the thing is right i'm saying like because you're completely right in what you're saying but i'm saying that people should pay for it but actually the the best thing would be to make it free but like in order to do that these companies they need to change their core values right now their core values are optimized revenue yeah and that's it if the core values were actually think about the customer because wouldn't you love a platform which actually really cared about you rather than trying to just like maximize the amount of money that they make out of it and there are some social media platforms like there's a there's a version of youtube called library lbry.com or something and they um their whole thing is that they want to youtube will limit content or demonetize you if you put out content which brands don't like so for example i don't know if you guys follow this parkour runner there's a youtuber called nightscape yeah one day okay. i think like a few years ago he he all his videos he was videos were amazing but because they were inciting violence or they were dangerous or something yeah he got demonetized and he couldn't earn money from his content all his views got cut and the reason why the actual reason why wasn't because youtube was scared that people would die right they didn't care about that it's because brands were saying i don't want to associate my brand with youtube is like that so stop putting my ads in those videos so youtube said all right cool brands aren't happy we're gonna we need to keep them happy to keep getting money so let's demonetize th- these types of channels yeah that that was a that was a harsh turn for nightscape i, I remember seeing that one like no because although yeah i wouldn't personally want to do that it was like it was like it's okay you know you see some, someone like nightscape do it yeah. And he's safe. He's safe because he uploaded the goddamn video on it. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His video is yeah. crazy. I think the problem is, like, you just asked a question about, like, would you rather, like, have a platform that kind of, like, cares about you? Yeah. The thing is, I just don't think a lot of people just think of it like that way. And I'm probably one of them where I'm not using, I don't think whether Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, if they're, like, thinking about me or not. I'm just more like mm-hmm. Instagram showing me pictures off like my friends and I kind of want to see them so I'm going to use it and Facebook's allowing me to chat to my friends so I'm going to use it Twitter's allowing me to hear opinions of other people wherever it is so I'm just going to use it I don't really like I think more people need to probably think about like what these companies are actually doing or why why they're doing stuff quick question for Ambrose here so Ambrose you suggested that you'd want to have this I guess platform or you'd hope for a platform that cared about you or you questioned it yeah so when you go to websites so whatever website is you click accept all cookies <laughs> like the personal, yeah. personalized adverts and everything do you click accept all i actually do like the personalized adverts yeah okay. but to be honest i don't really worry too much about the privacy stuff like 
I, I just never have. I guess I'm kind of like, well, I've got everyone's data, they're not going to like suddenly mm. like pick me and be like, let's bully this guy. So, you know. Yeah. Do you cover your webcam? No. I don't cover my webcam. Do you, Hamish? Yeah. I'm like, bro, if they want to see me naked, then go forth. Like, <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, it's not that interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I just, yeah, I remember that being, it was like one day it was, no one had it. And the next day, like loads of people just suddenly was, had <laughs> yeah. like tape over their webcams. I was like, what? what? This when is a weird fear mongering thing. Like, I'm like, what? I think it was a Black Mirror episode. There was a Black Mirror. Oh, I, seen it episode, I just, like, I just where... had it because I, I just felt like someone was always watching me. I don't know. Ever since I was looking, I was like, you know, what if someone like wanted to just be malicious here? Because I, like, I, I had, I guess, like when I was growing up, I was like, if you could like um, hack into the big corporations and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. When you're a kid, yeah, you're thinking these mad things to try and make it, then go to jail and then one of them hire you right away. It was stupid ideas like this, yeah. But then, then, I, then that made me like permanently subconscious, I think, which is my own doing. Um, as to like you know what yeah if they can access my webcam at any point through the internet whatever mm. and like say there was a security breach and I wasn't aware of it that's just like something I wouldn't like so I just make sure, I've just made sure it's covered as much as possible fair enough yeah. I mean some laptops come with it like a built-in cover now don't they mm. yeah yeah. so I've actually got this book recently it's called The Dominion The Making of the Western Mind so I haven't started it but it's, it seems like it seems very interesting it covers like how the Western mind, as it currently is, came about. And I guess the last thing on this that I actually want to ask you guys, Black Lives Matter, BLM, yeah. So I feel like because I'm black, I can kind of get away with raising this topic. But do you do you guys, from your point of view, I do think that the, the actual intentions behind a lot of people, my family and friends um, who've been campaigning, have been good, right? So we're trying to campaign for something. My family actually created this fund to try and support yeah, so- black businesses, that sort of thing. But... At the same time, I don't really support the actual BLM movement. And the question I put in the notes was, do you guys, and this is part of the read, do you guys think that black privilege is starting to become a thing? I, I don't think it is just because of this movement. Like, I know people will, like, I know people are trying to be more, con- at least, I think, at least in my circles, I think people are trying to be more conscious to certain things. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that black privilege is becoming a thing just because there's still a lot of, I guess, maybe some previous justices are being served towards people. Mm-hmm. that have already had like the wrongdoings done against them whether it's like Breonna Taylor's family for example or it, despite the family obviously settling and the, also the the lady I forgot her name but she was the one who got spat out by someone with allegedly COVID-19 on the tube or whatever but yeah I still don't think justice is being served at least fairly so are you coming at it from the point of view like if something if some event trying to think of like something but if something happens and they use the argument where like, but we've got to do this now because of the whole BLM movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that would be one way of it. But even in general, right? So I'll give you a few things. Firstly, what I'm basically saying, the problem that I have with this movement is the narr- narrative of victimhood that is pushing and, okay. er- and it's basically saying black people are these victims and people are saying, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. And the reason why I don't like it is purely because I personally think if there is an inequality, then the way to come out of it isn't to call yourself a victim because when you call yourself a victim, you're giving your power away. You're basically saying that it's their fault, it's their blame. Hmm. I have a problem with victimhood, right? So that's what I'm saying. So yeah, you don't like when people use sympathy to get out of the situation, which I can, I can, I guess I'll say I personally agree with in yeah. terms of that. Yeah. Is it kind of like the best way to get like equality is just to treat everyone as equal, but you think? BLM isn't doing that? Exactly. I feel like 
it's still two sides. It's still black people versus white people as a narrative. Obviously, we're, we're, there's a lot. There are basically victimized black people and guilty white people. All right. So white people feel very guilty for certain things. Hmm. And I don't think it's necessarily valid. I think I think America and the UK are quite different, to be fair. There is a lot there is more racism in America than there is in the UK. But I don't think the UK is anywhere as racist as it's been painted out to be. And actually, when people ask me actually coming up and building families, because I grew up in Catford, a very black neighborhood basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I eventually went to a private school and I was like one of the only black people there, et cetera, et cetera. And I grew the company as a black founder. Fan bites, blah, blah, blah. People would ask me, has being black been a disadvantage to you? What do you think my answer is? Your, your answer individually or a general person? What do you think my answer would be about me, my story? Because it's different. Some people yeah. have different, different experiences, mm-hmm. but my personal experience. Based on what you said, I think you use it to your advantage in some way. Absolutely. I don't think being black has been a disadvantage in the slightest. I think it's been an advantage. I've been able to stand out by being a black founder. There's been all these great things supporting me. My friends, my, my school gave me a bursary, right? Imperial College had like a black history spotlight on me. I've had our investors are like supportive. What I'm basically saying is, personally, in my experience, there's no, been no point where being black has been a disadvantage. If anything, it's been an advantage. And people, I haven't experienced this mass racism that a lot of people are saying exists in the UK. And if we're being honest, if I haven't experienced that, then you can't say that like everyone's racist, right? Because otherwise I would have experienced a lot of hard times being black growing mm-hmm. up. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't I don't know if people are saying like everyone's racist though. When they say yeah, like I, that that is part of the like extreme philosophy going on in with BLM, but you're right, it's not not everyone's saying that. So I guess I I'm gonna be more curious to hear what your thoughts on this. So regarding that, so obviously we heard the case of like people would say I'm not racist and then people would just get at them for because they have to say that they're not I'm not racist enough and you have to be anti-racist like what is your thoughts on that then because I have a feeling you have a different opinion to most on so what's the example here so like basically say an influencer basically they were someone just made an accusation that they're racist and they're like no I'm not racist yeah uh, you know like for example the generic example I'm friends with XYZ who are from that background and but then someone else goes, yeah, that oh, it's not enough to be just not racist just because you have you know X Y Z friends. You have to be anti. Yeah, yeah. You gotta be like you gotta basically you gotta post. You gotta black, try it down. You gotta post the black square, otherwise you're not supporting the movement. Yeah, so I didn't, I yeah. didn't actually like obviously post the black square, but that didn't mean I wasn't supporting the movement. Like right, exactly. And I know you, that people, I know that it was just going to be like one of those things. Yeah, and a lot of people would say if you didn't, if you didn't show active support, it was the thing. One of the things people were saying was silence. So if you're being silent, that means you're racist. That's what that's what people are saying. Right? Yeah. If you're not yeah. posting things like the black square, it's not enough, and that's complete nonsense. I posted a black square and I, I deleted it. I was like, this is ridiculous. They're pushing guilt to make people, you know, it's just not right, in my opinion. Yeah, basically, I think what they what should have been done was just being. So some people were doing it quite well. I can't tell you the exact names of the influencers that were, but they were pushing out like videos, like educational videos, more to help understand like history and stuff. But at the time, luckily. Because I'm a Caller fan, it started to push the older Caller videos again. And at the time, I recommended it as well during the heat of the movement, I guess. Well, the movement's still on, but it's not as heavily active on social media, right? So I just re- basically started re-watching those Caller videos because it, it started to make more sense now that I'm more grown up. Before, I just watch it because I'm a fan of a Caller. 
now then then you realize that what Akala saying has way more meaning for example or Loki um in terms of you know the war-torn areas that he may rap about or the politics he raps about so it's one of those things that I felt like everyone was too jumped to shut everyone else down just because they didn't you know like do one thing as per what they thought was suddenly right instead of like trying to help educate they were just like trying to ask anyone they possibly could like no one no one was safe even if they had basically didn't know what it was about and didn't want to just blindly do it that's what it seemed like from my perspective bear in mind I'm, I'm as i said i'm not too i guess invested in social media but it's quite interesting how you said you found like being black used it as an advantage like throughout your whole life yeah but then what about like friends of yours or something who haven't kind of had the same experience have you ever like gone into arguments with them about it <laughs> kind of like my thing is I think I'm, I can come off with quite abrasive when I say that stop calling yourself a victim because, you know, some people genuinely would have like some examples when they were discriminated against, blah, blah, blah. But I still say to them, stop calling yourself a victim, not because you're not a victim, but because by calling yourself a victim, you're giving your power away. You're saying, I can't do anything to change my life situation. And that's a power, of, that's a point of weakness. And if you lean on that, then you're not going to get anywhere in life. What do you think of, I'm not sure if we've really spoken about this too much on the podcast, but I mentioned I mentioned this like all the way back in episode three, and my opinion has kind of like been up and down with this. I've changed quite a bit. It's on yeah. it's based around like quotas. Like Right, okay. Especially for like companies. I I think I use the example in like football. Diversity quotas. Yeah, where like the FA now has I think they introduced it a few years ago, but like they have the Rooney rule, which means every every time we appoint a new England manager, uh they have to interview someone we're from an ethnic minority. All right, sure. Yeah, what's, what's your take on that and like similar stuff, like maybe companies when they're hiring, they have to, they're saying like they want a quota just to make sure it's diverse. Yeah, I think the, again, when these things are introduced and the intention behind them is a noble intention, it's mm-hmm. we're genuinely trying to improve diversity because we think there is are some issues where people are discriminated against and we want to fix that. So it's fine as a, as an, an incentive. But we, what we need to do, I think, is detach it from, like, just not, not, t- not take it too far. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of feel like, for example, when I um, applied for Goldman Sachs and got the internship, I went through an organization called Rare, um, which supports black people. Great organization because it gets you together, you study, you learn. But then also they have like, they had a deal with Goldman Sachs where I think a certain number of people would come through rare because not only are they ethnic minorities, but also they've been picked and interviewed to be like the best of them as well. So they've done part of the work for them finding the best diverse talent. Yeah. So it's useful, but at the same time, I'm literally, I literally get a privilege, right? Over like your average white guy who might be just as smart, but like he didn't get a special quota. So let's 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 be honest, I do have a privilege, right? But the hard thing is, how do you draw the line? Because there is a good part of it, but it's also if you push it too far, then it becomes this weird thing where like you're getting special treatment. As as you said, you know the good intent, like the good intent's there to obviously kind of try and create more quality for the future and you know reduce the diversity issues. But I do obviously see the point about the skill thing. You still need to try and upskill them, but some people may not be able to also get skilled 
up in the same way as other people due to wherever, for example, they grew up or so. So, like, there are all cases where it's still needed as much as it feels shit, like, or can feel shit to be in that scenario where you're given a privilege because you didn't have it the same off as someone else. Like, it's trying to create the better future. It just may not be easily visible to a lot of us, including now, because it's a way bigger picture. Yeah. That's someone that a lot of more people may have spent time trying to help design to help eradicate some issues. It's just not easily visible because you may be at the forefront of it. Mm-hmm. You're right. It could be a bigger plan with a longer timeline, which you're not aware of, right? Mm-hmm. Do you guys know a question to you? So a friend of mine, actually, because when all this BLM stuff was going on, a Chinese friend of mine was kind of telling me that she kind of feels like, to be honest, like during this time, she's been getting massive racism to her. And it's the whole... Um, so from COVID? COVID, yeah. yeah. People were yeah. scared of her because she's Chinese. Yeah, we had, we had Natalie... Uh, I guess on episode 49, I think. And uh, yeah, I kind of asked her a similar question, like almost because she wanted to speak about like that topic in particular, like COVID related racism, because that wasn't really talked about as near as much as BLM. Of course not. Because Chinese, like, I don't know, I, I don't even know if I want to say this, but <laughs> Chinese people aren't playing on this victimhood thing. They're just like, yeah, whatever. But it seems like the black community has really been, I'm not saying everyone, but you know, this whole BLM thing's really been pushing. It's a crux that a lot of people have been, been jumping on. But anyway, so Chinese people get racism. Indian people get racism. Sri Lankans get racism. There, there's no like woke Sri Lankan movement. There's no woke Chinese movement talking about racism. And again, you could say that's a bad thing because they should be standing up for themselves. But you can also say like, look, this is how the world is. and the answer isn't to call yourself a victim. Maybe there's, maybe there's a better way. So then what, out of curiosity here, because I'm trying to understand. So a lot of it obviously comes from the history, like history, like well embedded, for example, like the slave trade and everything where it was basically just black people being used or people of, you know, African descent. So do you believe that they should be using that? Um, I don't know. Like th- that's history, right? And, you know, we've got to, We've got to address that because if it's a problem, then it's a problem. But look, just because racism existed a long time ago doesn't mean that the same level of racism exists today. There aren't, personally, haven't met too many slave owners today, right? Same. (laughs) (laughs) So to keep jumping back to slave trade, I think that's a bit much, isn't it? About it, educate people, but don't use it as a crux. Then what about like when you say like it's not as racist or you even you mentioned earlier like how you don't think the UK is like as bad as like so many other places. In the words of Dave, the least racist is still racist. Is that which one, which song is that? I love Dave. Black. Yeah, but yeah. I think he I think he did it in his performance. I'm not sure if it's in the original, but in the performance of it. Like, I think everyone got a bit emotional during that whole time. But like, you know, maybe that's also his opinion. But also he has a lyric to back you up. So I think okay. he has a lyric here is like I may have been the target, but I'll never be the victim. So you could use right, that one. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Great. That's a, that's a much better way of putting it, right? And then he claims power back. We're still going to remember that. Obviously, a rapper like Dave, he's lived a very different life to me. Mm-hmm. I did grow up in a black neighborhood, but fortunately, I've never really been around some of the um, you know, gang culture and all that stuff. So, Yeah, another topic we have, spirituality. Yeah, so this is also another topic that you talked about um, on, is it? I'm about to pronounce it right, Chion Hardy? Chion Hardy. Chioni Hardy. Yeah. You haven't seen that? That's another podcast episode you've been on. We'll put a link into that in the description. But yeah, you talked a lot about uh, 
yeah, a bit about religion, actually, and spirituality. And here in the notes you put out-of-body experiences. That's quite interesting. Like, is that something you've experienced? Oh, yeah. What is an out-of-body experience? Yeah. Describe this experience, because I don't know if it's something that I have and I just don't know I have, or I would know it if I have kind of thing. It's very interesting. And also, by the way, my... I kind of feel like my opinions on spirituality and religion have actually changed a lot in the past six months. Not a lot, but they've, they've evolved somewhat. So I may have also said things in the past, which maybe I changed my mind on, but, um, talk about outward experiences. So yeah, I thought it'd just be fun, different things to talk about because these sorts of themes are things which have actually played a big role in my life for maybe the past three to four years. I'll say I had my first out of body experience in 2017. And let me explain to you what that is. So basically, the story is in 2017, I went to like a sweat lodge. Do you know what a sweat lodge is? No. It's like a sauna. Kind of, yeah. So it's a Native American tradition where you go into like a cave for four hours. We were in this before, like four hours. It's pitch black. You put really hot rocks in the middle. You fast before you go in. You put really hot rocks in the middle and you steam them. And the steam rises and then like it's really hot. You don't consume anything. That was quite, my friend just said, my spiritual friend, kind of said do you want to come along i was like yeah whatever I'll go. at the same time i was reading i don't know why actually but i was reading lots of some new age stuff things like power of now it's a book called letting go there were some other weird spiritual books like called butterflies that to fly stuff like that so i was exploring the new age spirituality which again i've changed my opinions on but you can that's as well later but anyway what i was doing i, w- I was being more open to some of these spiritual ideas and i was letting go of more logical ways of thinking let's say being stuck in just like logical ways of thinking i'm not well i would say logical i think like material ways of thinking like x is y you know because i grew up as a i studied engineering i love physics maths all that stuff so i was very like you know if i see something and that's real if i don't see it then it's not real mm-hmm. right anyway after that and but bear in mind i never really knew what this was this what an article experience was or anything like that but i had a couple of i had a dream basically where it was a dream unlike any other dream I've ever had. And essentially, in the dream, it was, you know, like a lucid dream. Have you ever had a lucid dream before? What does that mean? Is it just one way you think it's like, it seems really like so real? Isn't that basically? So a lucid dream, it feels really real. But the main thing is that you basically remain conscious when you are sleeping. So you know you're dreaming. So uh, you know you're dreaming and wake up. You know, normally when you dream, you like, you kind of can't, don't realize you're dreaming until you wake up. Like, oh, that was a dream. In lucid dream, okay. you know you're dreaming, and you can control your dream. So you can move around. You can be like, oh, "I'm going to go over there." I'm going to. You can you can control yourself in the dream, right? So have you ever experienced that before? Nope. Uh, I don't think so. I, no, I don't. I feel like it would be something that I would recall if I did. So I'm guessing no. I feel like it sounds like a well, what other people are thinking are. It sounds like a high. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> By the way, I've never I've never had any sort of drugs or substances okay. other than alcohol so another thing is this will came quite naturally all right mm, yeah. so so a lucid dream is when you can control it and you can also um you're conscious now an out-of-body experience or an astral projection as i later discovered is basically like a lucid dream on a next level right so it's like it feels really real you can and this happened a couple of times you can actually the reason it's called out of body experience is you can actually see your body lying behind yeah, you. Yeah, that's what I was, yeah. So have you ever seen Doctor Strange? Yeah, yeah, I was going to reference <laughs> yeah. that. So they actually, they actually use the term astral projection in that movie, which is quite cool because it's quite a rare term. But when he comes out of his body, you can see things. 
So what makes it really interesting is that, and I've got a book here, Journey's Out of the Body talks about out-of-body experiences. And basically what makes them unique is so many things, but some things that make it unique is one, sometimes they're very linked to the real world. So I might have a dream where I can see, for example, I can, I mean, I feel like I'm in my body when I was 15 years old. I can see my house exactly how it looked back then. The decor, I can see things really vividly. Old memories suddenly become really new and real. I can explore, I can move around, I can hear conversations. And the other thing is the onset. So what led me to learn about astral projections and outward experiences? I was trying to describe what would happen to me. And essentially, other people have experienced the same thing. They have the same onset, which is first you get these vibrations kind of like in your body, and then it goes like towards like your head. And then you you can kind of like put your arms up, reach out, pop out of your body. And then it like goes from this really intense vibration to like a peaceful experience. And then you can walk around, you can taste things. By the way, you've got all your senses. You can feel things, you can taste things, you can feel gravity, you can pick things up, you can feel their cold. Yeah. So are you guys, do you guys think I'm crazy yet? <laughs> I mean, I, I'd want to try, like try this. I don't know if I want to be in a cave like this because I don't think about it. <laughs> so you'd, well, you'd want to try this? I'm very curious. Basically, I felt like a past time when I've been high, like I was just hallucinating like crazy. Well, can I just clarify? This would be on weed. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with owning up like <laughs> on this, yeah, but sure. um, because I've mentioned in the past, anyways. But I feel like I wouldn't say out of body, but like I've just been in control of like and stuff like you could see, and it was nice back at uni as well. <laughs> so I was just like, you know what? Yeah, I'm curious to try this, but yeah, you don't have to yeah. go in a cave, by the way. I, mean, I, yeah. okay, I, think, okay, I kind of feel like that stuff is basically me meditating and doing more like spiritual things is what allowed me to help me experience it. I think so I think you've got to be open to it. But yeah. the weird thing is, I didn't expect this at all. I wasn't searching for it. I wasn't trying to make it happen. It just randomly happened one day. And because it was so weird, I started researching it. And then ever since then, 2017, never had an experience before then, by the way, I get them about once or twice a month. Okay. Yeah, so I get them quite often. The first time it happened, like when you said like you can see your body, like sometimes, I don't know if this is something you've experienced, but it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd probably think I was dead. Like I'd probably <laughs> think I just died. So yeah, another book here, Journeys of Souls, <laughs> basically talks about this, talks about how like, actually, there isn't, the reason why it's called an astral projection is because you're going to another plane called the astral plane. And in there you can, you can meet spirits or different um, spirits dead or alive, basically. You're in your soul form, you can interact with them. Crazy stuff like that. I just want to say at this point, as a primer. Now, a lot of this stuff, if you read into this stuff, you could fall into new age spirituality. New age spirituality is basically things like stuff that I'm describing. Also, the idea that God is everyone and everywhere. You know, all that sort of stuff. And that's quite different to religion, right? Which Christianity will say something different. So depending on what you believe and you've got to be careful because there are some things here which are really kind of just like pseudoscience that they are kind of just made up. So you've got to kind of dissociate that from you know, the truth. Mm -hmm. Do you like it? These out-of-body experiences? They're amazing. I do like it. Some people would say it's scary, but you don't meet too many people who have had them. I've actually, I've got a couple of friends. I've got like literally three or four who have had them and we speak about them and we can relate to each other but and they have very similar experiences to me but if i speak to anyone else they'll say oh well look at this article here it seems like you've been hallucinating or you know xyz but i feel like the sort of thing which you can only understand once you've actually experienced yeah. it unfortunately and 
you will think I'm crazy until you've experienced it for yourself. I mean, I, actually, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I don't think you're crazy. It's because of like, <laughs> basically certain dreams I've had where I feel like, like God is sending me a certain signal or something like there's going to be like a blessing in disguise here or there. I just need to quickly go figure out what that is if possible. Yeah. Like, so I don't think you're crazy on that aspect. Okay. But that's Whereas, a very... I'm not sure. Like, if you know, no, I, like, no, I'm... The thing is, right. And I've been studying actually, because I, I grew up in a Christian family. My family is very Christian. And I have been studying Christianity again since the start of lockdown. And I've actually been quite good because I kind of, you know, I kind of went my own way went to the new age stuff, but I'm actually connecting back to Christianity again, which is, which is nice. And the Bible will say a lot of things about, it wouldn't say that these things are crazy, right? It might talk about, it might say that actually this is a way of God speaking to you through your dream. There are many accounts of God speaking to people in their dreams and giving them answers, right? So I can agree on that. Yeah. So they are linked. It's more things like this can happen and they can be true and valid. But I think the key thing is to try and not make up your own idea or theory of why it happens and reconnect it to the true source. And the true source, I don't really have answers, right? I can't tell you what it is for sure. But if you're Christian, for example, then you might find that the, the true source for you is what's written in the Bible. So you have to you should funnel it through yeah. that belief system. That makes sense. Rather than making up your own belief system. No, yeah, I do kind of understand. Because like there's certain things even I guess I wouldn't be able to explain or the one but yeah like i i'm very like intrigued like i get i guess you said you can't go force it to find it or whatever so even after if like covid and stuff was whenever that is done I mean, if you're open to it if you're open to it then literally just tell your subconscious mind i want to have an outer body experience and be how do you do that how do you do that I'm, I'm i'm both curious and like slightly worried at the same time you know because i'm thinking of like you know the doc as i said when you when you when you're saying this i keep thinking the doctor strange stuff here and I'm just thinking, like. So you know when you said you can like eat and all that. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. So if you so if you went to like your fridge, yeah, and just ate or drank drank something, mm-hmm. when you wake up in the morning, is that like? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that uh, in the astral plane? Right. Or I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna touch on this actually because what's very interesting is this part, the part of how linked can this be to the real world, right? And this book talks about a lot of accounts where it suggests the idea that say you go to a certain location yeah say you go to sleep and you go to a certain location wait this is in your outer body experience yeah in your astral body in the real world yeah say for example you're floating and you see your friend speaking somewhere and you go near them and you listen to what they're saying then you can hear their real conversation so that's the craziest that's the craziest claim and would be really cool right if it's true and what I, what I used to do is I wrote down all of my experiences when I had these dreams mm-hmm. and I wrote them down over like three years and I went back through them. I did have two accounts, <laughs> had two accounts or one account, actually one that I can probably remember which, which I was like, holy shit. I couldn't have known that if I didn't have, like, I found out that information through my dream and it happened at that time as well. I don't really want to say it now because it's kind of weird. It's about, it's about an old friend who I hadn't spoken about. Yeah, it's, just, it's something about him, which... I found out through my dream. I was like, there's literally no way I could have found this out. I, like, I don't remember going on Facebook and seeing it or anything like that, right? <laughs> so it's an interesting thing. I can't say that I've experienced that apart from that one account, but it's something which I'm exploring. I'm like, all right, cool. Can I see information about the future? Can I see information about the present? Can I f- discover something about the past through these dreams? And yeah. I've got a question. So like, I know I'm going to say this on behalf of some of the viewers that I want to ask them. So like, are you sure, like, I guess a lot, I know that some of our viewers are like very like, you know, like they, as you know, when you say like, believe it, just see it kind of, and yeah, sure. they require like logical reasoning or some sort of 
like proper theory slash um, proof for it. So basically, like, are you sure there was no version of this that was subconsciously in the back of your mind? Look, there could have been. There could have been some deep subconscious thing which revealed it to me, made it come up in my dream or something. But I found it so random because I didn't speak to this person for ages. And like, I don't remember seeing any information about it. And yeah, like there could have been. There is a chance, right? Yeah. But to be honest, the thing which would make it more valid is reading this book and also listening to some other people talking to YouTube and stuff. There are examples of a lot of people saying that they could see things in the real world by floating through their astral body. So some people claim it, but you know. Yeah, currently, like, I think I believe you aspects of what you say. I'm not, because not, other things, I pro- you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say myself, like, I'd rather, I need to, like, experience it slash see it too. So I don't know about the friends conversation stuff, like my opinion on that, but like, I feel like in this said scenario, I can believe that maybe you could like feel the taste or whatever. And whether that's obviously a subconscious thing on the mind, but I feel like you could maybe like, I think you possibly like, you you could and I could believe, I could believe the aspect of it, me personally. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, to be honest, sometimes I think I'm crazy. And I'm like, <laughs> everything I'm doing, is, what I'm talking about, my, the way I think about it is a lie. Like, I think that it's hallucination. No, sometimes I get to that, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, it's all bullshit, basically. But then when I sit down properly, I'm like, but there are way too many things. Like, I think another thing I've been speaking about is synchronicities. Oh my God. Synchronicities are what I call meaningful coincidences. Things which are so coincidental that happen happen in certain situations that they can't be pure chance and randomness. There's got to be some sort of divine orchestration which made this happen. Yeah. Right. Do you guys, have you guys ever experienced something like that? Like things where, and the thing is, it's not maybe obvious things. It might not be things like, um, or I met this person because it, it then helped me start my business. Not stuff like that. I'm talking more like randomly, for example, you have these five friends and you met and everyone, all of their names are names of flowers. Right? <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> weird stuff like that, which you're like, that's so weird. Like, what? this is a synchronous thing which is happening. Or maybe like you have a lucky or unlucky number. Stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can understand coincidences and then... Like I believe in coincidences to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Like some things were like meant to coincidentally like line up, as yeah. in like it was part of a, as a, as I like to define it as like part of God's plan for some reason. Yeah, right, yeah. I don't know if this counts as that, but I, I know Hamish has mentioned the podcast before. But like our podcast schedule, like when we first started, everything kind of seemed to align up with like dates oh, in yeah. like the calendar kind of thing. As in, <laughs> yeah, we kind of recorded podcasts and released it like our promo. And then that happened to be the uh, International Podcast Day. Mm-hmm. And then we recorded an episode. We scheduled it to release on a particular week. Then it just happened to be like Mental Health Awareness Week. And it was an episode about like mental health. And There are many more episodes that follow this example yeah. as well. So like I was yeah. telling Aaron early on that I think it was just meant to be somehow. Like I don't know how. Yeah, so some, some people might say to you, well, surely you probably subliminally saw some that was Mental Health Week, which is why you decided that thing, right? Some people would say that to you, right? Mm-hmm. No, it was genuinely like we just had that person that they were always going to be our first guest. It just happened to be the topic was that and it happened to be that the time schedule ended up being that. Like we had no plans for making like at that time. Like, And it's not due to ignorance. We just had no plans of like making like at that time special for like mental health week or so. It just, these things just kept lining up like. and Or like Alex one was not, uh, episode was another one where uh, he's obviously Alex like massively into books and like has some and all that kind of stuff. And his episode released on like, Reading, reading week, week or, or something, not university right. reading week, but like 
Yeah, that you know when kids like go dress up as like book yeah, World Book Day, like in school and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. there was no plans for that whatsoever, like just stuff like that, really. Look, you can call it coincidences, or you can call it a meaningful synchronicity, or you can call it God's plan. I like that. Meaningful say that word again, synchronicity. Synchronicities. I right, got it right, it's a big word. <laughs> but I I think honestly. You can call it God's plan as well, because I do really think that it, these divine nucleations, like everything happens for a reason. I personally think it's true. Um, I'll give you a funny example, actually. I'm going to give you a really weird example. I'll say a little personal story. So to be fair, this one, part of this will be a bit hard to explain without showing you some examples somewhere. So the one thing which I can quickly mention is I support Liverpool. Oh. <laughs> Aaron's spewing. <laughs> I currently live on a road called Liverpool Road, right? Okay. Um, I live in this road. I've been living here since 2018. There is a road in. So if you type in Elmina, uh, Elmina, by the way, is like on Google Maps or something. Or yeah, I mean, Elmina Castle is where the slave trade happened in Ghana, right? Mm-hmm. But long story short, I was speaking to my grandma, and she she like grew up in Elmina as when she was born. She was born in Elmina. Yeah. And there's a road literally next to Elmina Castle called Liverpool Road. And at the time when I at the time when I was finding out about it and learning about it. This road, Liverpool Road. In Ghana? Right? In Ghana, yes. In Ghana, near where my grandma grew up. Right? Yeah. Now, I chose to live in this road. Like, I live in Liverpool Road in London as, as of 2018. It's a road called Liverpool Oh, yeah, road, I see yeah. it. I see it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you see it in Ghana, yeah, right? Liver I'm like, pool. When I saw, yeah, Liverpool. I saw that. I literally Googled Elmina because I was researching Elmina Castle. And then Liverpool Road comes up. And it was, it was, that was the time when I just moved into Liverpool Road, right? I live in Liverpool Road. And this is the first time in my life that Liverpool has won the Premier League, <laughs> right? Ugh. That's a weird coincidence, a weird series of coincidences. <laughs> I, I actually had a similar one. I think I sent it to Aaron. I don't remember the exact thing. So they speak, his like former housemates from uni moved in quite close to me in Northwest London. So they're living in like Kensal Green. And basically there's this road, like I didn't notice it the previous few times I went, but I noticed it like before the COVID restrictions tightened. So I went over and I noticed there's this road. It was like called Aaron something, yeah. And like Aaron used to live with them and I used to like visit them quite often. So I was like, oh shit, Aaron's the, like that. There's a road named like Aaron something there. Yeah. They live here in this. So it's basically the same housemates there. And I'm just the same outside visitor, but like it's just Aaron Road. I don't know how that interlinked. I was just like, you know what? Yeah, um, yeah. It's one of those things. I'm not going to question it. How it's those happened. things, right? Yeah. Even that. Another, here's another, another example, actually. So this girl called Flo, she works for us in FanWorks. She gave me this new hair product called Afrocentrics Hairspray. It's like a hairspray black-owned business. She gave it to me. She gifted it to me and said I should try it out. That same week, I randomly took an Uber to work, right? And the Uber driver was asking me, oh, so what do you do? I'm like, I run a business. And he goes, oh, so does my daughter. She runs this company called Afrocentrics. Uh, my okay. Uber driver. <laughs> How random is that? The same week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I've got a list actually. The reason why I'm actually, I've got a list called List of Synchronicity because I write this stuff down and it goes back years. Oh, well, I have a mental note of things like these kind of coincidences and stuff. See, I well. should, I was thinking like I should, because what the things you, that you guys have just said, like I've definitely know they've, things that have ha- like that have happened to me, but I'm probably more been one of those who've just been like, oh, it's just a coincidence. Yeah, right, so I haven't like taken note of it really. There's a funny movie or book called The Celestine Prophecy, and it basically talks about meaningful coincidences. And one of the arguments it gives is the more you pay attention to those coincidences, the more you can use them to your favor, because they basically give you clues about life. So I personally think these are sometimes guidance and things given by a grace of power. 
And if you pay attention to them, then, you know, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So to just, to just say, oh, doesn't mean anything. You can do that. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you may be missing out on something. Yeah. And next, next time I'm going to write down, because I, I want to share a story, because I, I know it's happened, but I just can't like <laughs> remember any. I was going to give it like, I, was, I don't know if there's, I think this is just one of those conspiracy theories, like your um, Asian parents tell you, or, well, not conspiracy theory, but you know, like this is one of their beliefs that they have, which may not be necessarily true, but they, they, they say this thing where when you have hiccups, that means someone's remembering you. So like, <laughs> so like, I don't even know how true that is. Yeah. Like, I can't tell. I, it's not like I call someone up when I'm being remembered. I'm like, who's who's remembering me right now? Like, it's not like I do. But that's that, but, that's like there's one where if I, you bite your, I'm not against. If it. you bite your tongue or something, or bite your lip, someone's like sworn, just swore at you or something. I don't know if that's an Asian one or just a general. I one. Feel the stuff like that sounds a bit like artificial, but yeah, I, I I never. The idea, the idea there is, you know, that things happen for a reason. Yeah. I was just like, my mom's changed it again. It's fine. <laughs> 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 have you um have you ever had those times where like. You're going to message someone, and they just happen to message you. Oh, okay. oh yeah, I've, I've had. That. Yeah, that was, that was, I, that I have was a few. Um, I had a few that happened to me right at a point, and I was kind of like the point at which I opened my phone to message that person was such a random point. The next day, mm-hmm. or something that I, I'm like, this is just too coincidental. Anyway, yeah, yeah. You know, I think I've also in the past I've also maybe created scenarios in my head and bit just made them. Like coincidence, Crazy, like yeah. I've like I don't know, especially if it's like over a girl or something. I'll just be like, oh yeah, yeah, this, <laughs> yeah, 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 this is meant to happen, you know. This is, <laughs> yeah. so that's yeah. in even in that sense, I'm not like necessarily believing. It. I'm just like make one. I want to believe it, kind of thing. I think this is like so for me, yeah, personally, like I like to believe in a certain sort of coincidence. Like as you say, they were meant to be or certain sort of like it was a play for the bigger picture for what some reason that maybe I can't see, I can't understand yet, just because of where I'm at for whatever reason. But then sometimes I like to think that it's not so, someone actually like. So I don't think everything is a coincidence. I think sometimes like someone else could have been like whether it's malicious or good. Like they tried to set something up and then it just happened to align up and then you couldn't tell at that time because you weren't aware of the information. But majority of the times I like to, I do like to give the benefit of the doubt that this coincidence has, um, you know, there was just like something else there. Like yeah, I feel you. I, feel I you. also I don't know if this is spirituality or links into like stuff we talked about but sometimes i feel like i've seen the future as in or i've not seen it but i've seen like something happens yeah and i'm like it's not i don't want to say it's deja vu it's because it's like i've seen this before like i've right give me give example normally it's just like not an event happen it's like a so with my eyes now i can it's like it's like a picture i can see a picture right now like in my eyes And like sometimes I might, this isn't true, but say I've gone to a random place, some random like street in London or something, and there's something there. And like, I'm sure I've never been there before in my life, but like, I'm sure I've seen it before. Like, because I could be trying shit. Well, here's, but... here's, here's, a, here's the thing, right? Like, okay, some of the new age ideas are like things like the world is moving from 4D to 5D. Now, what I find very cool is when you can link science to this, this stuff, right? So here's a here's a train of thought for you. Also, I love movies like Tenet, Interceptions, any movie about time. <laughs> love that stuff. Anyway, so with the so here's a train of thought about let's think of what a five dimensional world looks like, right? So firstly, time and space are very weird topics anyway. Like if you look at Einstein's laws of relativity, then what does it say? It says that if you travel closer to the speed of light, or if you go to a really dense object, time slows down for you. So do you guys know about that theory? I've heard of this thing where you go. With this, I've heard something about slowdown, but I can't tell you specifically because I didn't pay attention. 
So it's it's actually to be honest, you can you can watch a like a ten minute YouTube video and you you understand the idea and it will make sense to you. So if you go near a really dense object, say like a black hole, time will slow down for you. Or if you travel close to the speed of light, time will slow down for you. It has to. It's a fundamental law of physics because it conserves um, the speed of light basically, and it's basically Einstein's law of relativity. And physics wouldn't be possible without it basically. So two implications. The implication behind this is if you went. So if you've seen the movie Interstellar. They went onto a really dense planet, mm-hmm. and when they came back, they were like the same age, but then twenty-two years had passed for the pilot. So, essentially, you've t- you traveled into the future, right? You've literally traveled into the future. It is very, very possible. Proven every science, every good scientist will agree to this that you can travel to the future. Traveling to the past is where it's, it's like you know, there's no proof there. But you can travel to the future purely by traveling really, really fast, or by going near a really dense object. Cool. Do you agree with me? Have you agree with me so far? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm basically understanding that I've traveled to the future. That's bad. Yeah, because, like, if you travel, if you use these laws, if you travel really fast near the speed of light, when you come back, I might be 95 and you might still be 24. How would be? 24. That's the physics, right? So we already know that time and space are weird concepts. Time travels at different speeds depending on your reference frame. We know that as a fact, right? Now, here's another thought for you. A 5D world basically says that, well, time is just a tool to comprehend things in the planet. And actually, all time exists simultaneously. And also, time doesn't really exist. Time's an illusion to see things. And the analogy I'll give you here to help you understand this is, Think of like a cassette play, cassette tape, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the cassette tape it contains all the information on the tape. It contains it all in there. Everything already exists. But in order for you to understand and comprehend the cassette and put it into a way that your brain can understand it, is you need to put the cassette tape in the player, press play, and listen to, and watch it at one time speed. But you can fast forward and you can go to the back, you can rewind it, right? All of the data already exists on the cassette tape. But what you're doing is you're playing it through in one time speed. I'm not going to lie, you lost me a bit there. <laughs> Basically, I think, I, th- I think, so like it's similar to like how I guess that, like, you know, Pluralsight and everything exists. Like it gives you the option. It's like pre-recorded there and you could right. choose to watch it like at 1.25 speeds. Like same with when you had lecture capture back in the day. You can decide to watch it at 1.2.5 speed. Obviously, a lot, a lot of us probably did that to save time. Yeah. But then I'm a bit, I'm still a bit, in, like, I'm still a bit jumbled up with a bit of, because this is a bit beyond my physics and everything understanding. I mean, that. what I'm basically saying is the information, because you said you may have seen into the future, right? The information exists if you jump to the laser point in the cassette tape. It exists because it's encoded on the, the tape. That's how you see the images. So are you saying, like, our, our future's, like, planned? It's already um, written? So that's when it that's when it gets a bit like that's another question is determinism real yeah. all that stuff. But what I'm saying is when you said you saw into the future, but I don't know I've seen into the future. Like yes, you don't know. I want to know what you saw in the future. It's the most useless thing. It's like, <laughs> and I also don't know until I come to that point and I'm like, okay, yeah, I've seen this yeah. before. Can I, can I know what you thought? No, no. Sometimes it can literally be like, I don't know, just just like. A, a place like i've seen this pla- like i've seen this place and i've seen like maybe there's like a can of coke on the floor and an empty can of coke on the floor and like i've seen that place with the empty can of coke on the floor just something random like that it's like basically deja vu feel. yeah 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 kind of like that interesting 
very interesting. But it's, yeah, it's never like anything that's like, cool. yeah. And at the time when I, yeah, I don't know when I've seen it before or anything or like that. I'm just like, I just feel like I've seen it before. That's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting though, isn't it? It's actually got me thinking like in a completely different way. That was when I woke up today. <laughs> I was not expecting when I read the when I read the notes thing for this episode. I was not expecting <laughs> to be thinking about the things that I thought about <laughs> at this moment yeah. in time. But cool, yeah. We we've run on for quite a quite a while. I think we should probably try try wrap up. So our episodes end off with like some final questions, call out, and then a shout out. Uh, so we go with the final questions. Hamish, Juno, start off. I can see you you picked up one of my custom questions that I did recently. What what would your single rapper or artist name be? Well, so two things. Firstly, I think the first thing that came to mind was Lil AJ because I called myself that when I was, when I was younger. I don't know why. I just, I just thought, I think Lil Wayne, Lil Romeo, they were like the big people then. I was like, Lil AJ. And actually, people say, oh, because I was named after my granddad, actually, who's also called Ambrose. So people say, oh, it's Lil Ambrose Jr. I was like, oh, yeah. That, that's <laughs> but actually, the reason why was because there's a character called AJ in The Fairly Odd Parents, and I really liked him. <laughs> oh, Fairly Odd Parents. <laughs> that's, that's a throwback. I can't remember any of the names though. Yeah, fellow parents, such a throwback, right? But I get really vivid dreams okay. of the episodes. Anyway, um, the other thing, the that's the first one that came to mind. But actually, I think I'll actually go with something like either A Hus, A Hus, or, or Digger A, just because I really like Digger D and J Hus. So yeah, big up, big up. Second question is one piece of advice you'd give to younger you. Yeah, this is one of those questions which I generally. I really like answering because um, there's always something different, which I have. But the thing which I'll say now, actually, is start investing money sooner. And the reason I say this is because I feel like, especially when you're at uni, um, you don't really think about, about investing. And I think a lot of people think, what's a way to get to reach financial freedom? You have to either start a business or um, you've got to like work your way up or something. But a lot of people overlook the power of investing. And if you can invest in the right companies from a young age, a 10-year compounding interest can be amazing if you um, actually diligently do it over a long period of time. So yeah, start, start investing money sooner. Yeah, I may actually link a thing that one of my friends sent me. So my friend Gibral from work sent me this thing. It's like a UK personal finance link where it's this big flowchart of things. Yeah, like depending on where you are in life, you have to basically just go through yeah, answering kind of yes and no, go around it. Obviously, there's more to read up on it, the details. And basically it will tell you like if no, it's not obviously accurate to everyone but it gives you like a rough gist like if you're at this particular stage yeah maybe you should be investing more into like stocks and shares where so kind of ices where possible or if you should be like for example creating a bigger backup fund like based on these scenarios but it could be something worth looking at for some people yeah cool definitely sounds good third and final question is what is your most memorable third wheeling experience if any and this is not on the podcast and it could have been you as a couple or you third wheeling a couple yeah i don't really have many stories the only funny one which i kind of thought about was i went on a double date once and me and my date weren't vibing very much so it pretty much sounded to a third wheel me just joining in the conversation <laughs> no that's, that's that's good enough yeah next bit anyone you would like to see come on the podcast yes i would like to see someone called megan prowse dr megan She's known as City Psych Chick on Instagram. Friend of mine, actually, a friend of mine who's actually had astral projections and out-body experiences. Okay. So very smart, very knowledgeable, and I think would make a great conversation on this podcast. She's a clinical psychologist. She just she's been studying actually like some extra courses. Accredited CBT therapist, 
writer and speaker. So um, yeah, I definitely think um, she'd be a good guest to to come on the podcast. Honestly, when you said Megan, I for some reason I thought you were going to say Megan Stallion. I was like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> no, awesome. Yeah, we were we were getting in touch with her. We're like tag her when we release your episode. And the final part of the episode is a shout out. So you can basically promote and plug anything you want. Yeah. So yeah, you can go first. Go follow me on Instagram, ambrose.cook. Also follow my company, Fanbytes. We're always hiring. So if there are any young, smart people here, then definitely would want you to to um, apply. That's it, really. That's Fanbytes. Let's get me to 2,000 followers. <laughs> Jeez. No, yeah. Aaron, you? I'll, I'll just plug... Oh, I know. I'll plug my own Instagram. Yeah, go on. Get me to... Uh... 300 followers i don't know 400 or whatever i'm on <laughs> or uh and, and the third wheel uh instagram and like all our uh follow us on spotify youtube and if you can give us a rating on apple Podcasts, or uh will be helpful great you got i saw you got a perfect rating so far yeah, yeah yeah we just yeah let's keep it that way also we're still trying to figure out who zara mcdr is oh yeah we've like... got we've got one random person we don't actually know who's given us like a all written right. review so we're like oh wonder who that is um, and my shout is going to be I'm going to shout out my Spotify playlist and I'm also going to shout out our Patreon so yeah um, go, ahead, go support us you know we're talking about monetization and everything so Patreon's one way to help us keep going not that we currently use it to keep us going but um, yeah that would be nice cool. okay yeah awesome uh, thanks Ambrose so much for coming on thanks for having me been really fun yeah yeah good catching up and yeah hope everyone else has enjoyed it and we will speak to you next week alright All right, see you guys bye see you guys Turn around on the mist, cause you might see something but fog And allow all the tricks, girl, I can see nothing but love You hit and you miss, girl, what's up? You spot and you red, I'ma call you ladybug Turn around on the mist, cause you might see something but fog And allow all the tricks, girl, I can see nothing but love